You are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke, with John Schuster. All right, we talked about DeAndre Ayton and the Phoenix Suns. Let's give a little bit of kudos to Steve Kerr here. Now, a lot of people said, or a lot of people said early on, oh, well, you know, anybody could have won with that team. Well, evidently not because Mark Jackson didn't win with that team. So we'll, st- we'll start at that front. Um, you've, uh, you've, you've watched the Warrior. You've got, you, you know a couple people uh, that uh, – what are – when Steve Kerr, when you watch the Warriors right now, because we're going to talk about this year's team in a little bit, but what do you, what makes Steve Kerr a unique coach in your, in your opinion, John Schuster? Well, well I think the, the thing that you've got to deal with at this level, I, I think, yeah, the NBA may be more so than other levels. That, 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 that may be also an inaccurate statement, but it feels like you've got to cultivate a lot of egos in the NBA. Right. And that's a lot of the job that you're doing. You've got to, you have to work to convince people who, like the idea of being in the spotlight, that it's better to function for a greater whole uh, in effort to, ulti- in, in essence, to succeed at the level that you ultimately want to. And I think right. Kerr's done a very good job of that balancing act. And that, I guess, to a large degree, any more, and you would know more about this than I do, and I guess you see it uh, to some degree in uh, the professional level and the professional level of the NBA, scouting seems to be fairly limited. Right. Uh, in in terms of game one and game two and then the way, way the series ultimately goes. We saw this a little bit, I think, more glaringly for folks who were watching the Suns and the Pelican series. Um, how do you try to make adjustments between game one and game two? But after those adjustments were made, then what does the better team ultimately do? And more often than not, the better team's going to win in the course of a seven-game series. The NBA is more predictable in that regard where the better team wins i think than other sports because it's so high scoring and the series are and it's a seven game proposition yeah yeah whereas in the nhl in a seven game proposition it's low scoring you can have a hot goaltender in major league baseball you can have hot pitchers or two hot pitchers uh in football you've got a one game situation and obviously at the lesser basketball level in college, you have the one-game NCAA tournament where anything can happen. Uh, but the NBA is the one sport that has a lot of high scoring, which cuts into your margin of error a little bit, and you have seven-game series, so the better team usually prevails. Uh, I, I think more often than not, that's that's the reason why that is. So, so scouting itself is limited. You figure out how a team's going to attack you, you can get through that in one game. And then once that game is done, you know, usually the better team comes through. Uh, so so the more important thing to be able to do, I think, is ultimately you're cultivating egos and figuring out how you can get the most out of whatever your lineup ultimately is. And then from there, talent takes care of itself. But it is interesting. You can make some interesting arguments here. And again, we're still in round two. Right. So maybe Golden State's going to fall into this just like uh, Brooklyn did and Philly might and any of these other uh, – the Lakers not even getting to the playoffs. These other super teams that clearly did not have super seasons. Right. Uh, we look at the Warriors a little bit different, but maybe we're doing that just in the now. If the Warriors don't win at all, maybe that conversation is just – they made it a little bit farther than 
some of the other attempts at super I, teams. I think what's unique, I think what's unique about it though is that this is a team now that you lost Kevin Durant, obviously, to the Nets. <clears throat> Excuse me, they've struggled, obviously, moving on. But what they do, everybody in there is pretty much homegrown. And so you lose Kevin Durant, you get a guy, Jordan Poole, in the late first round, who now I think he went for 30 on Sunday. Obviously, Steph was uh, um, drafted in the franchise. Uh, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. You look around, it's not like they're just kind of, you know, and again, I, I get that they got Durant, but it's not like they're just picking like superstars from everywhere. It's very much of a self-sustained uh, uh, entity. And that to me is kind of a, that to me is kind of the interesting part. Let's talk about that on the other side. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats with John Schuster. I'm Mike Luke. What do you think about that point there, Shu? I think that's a really good point. And I think if you look back behind that, uh, go back to one of Steve Kerr's mentors. Uh, and Kerr has a lot to do, not everything to do in the franchise, but a lot to do in the franchise. And there are other people there who have understanding of what it is they want, how they want to put it together. But San Antonio was largely homegrown, too. Right. And, and and those elements uh, work very well. So there is something to be said about that model. What happens after the fact then is that you have very good players who like the idea of playing on teams that are winning so right. that uh, you can try to uh, see if that complements a little bit. Sometimes that works. And obviously, as we're seeing to some degree in the Eastern Conference, sometimes it doesn't. Right. Now, do you think with Steve Kerr, did you? Did he strike you as a coach when you were watching him? Did he? Uh, I mean, I'm not really surprised he was involved in the NBA, but at the same time, he also, I mean, he he was named one of the 15 best coaches of all time. So he's obviously already very highly thought of in that hierarchy. There was something I'm going to sidestep the uh, answer. I, I think the brief answer to that is yes. Many right. people thought Kerr was going to be excellent in that capacity, that, that he had an opportunity to succeed in that regard because he wasn't a superstar and he was a smart guy who understood how to deal with superstars. Right. Uh, so so that that's a good mix. Uh, but based on what, what you said at the top of the podcast, I thought was kind of interesting. The argument by anybody out there who says that, well, yes, X coach won with excellent, with, with incredible talent, therefore anybody could win with incredible talent would mean that there's no such thing as a good coach ever in the <laughs> history of the NBA. Right. I mean, who, who are the other 15 great coaches? Right. I assume Red Auerbach's on that list. I assume Phil Jackson's on that list. Who was the coach that didn't win with talent? Right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, they, based on that logic, they all sucked. Right. Uh, all of the great coaches in the history of the NBA sucked because none of them were able to win without – cultivating the best talent so it, it seems to be and it's an easy argument to make in the here and now and we you know create mythologies for coaches who you know were around 50, 40 50 60 years ago but really the logic is all the same the right. celtics had better players than everybody else yeah. for a while the lakers had better players than everybody else uh the bulls had better had a better right. player than everybody else you know yeah. i did i did hear an interesting i did hear an interesting uh i got an interesting take on this real quick uh Real quick, though, if you're going to bet against any of this stuff, what we're saying, you're going to want to go to Bet Online, uh, Bet Online Sportsbook. We've talked about it. That's where you want to be. That's the place. Bet Online Sportsbook. It's been around. It's not going anywhere. If it's good, John Schuster says it's good, I say it's good. Tell him that Locked On Wildcats sent you. Take a quick break. All right, Shu. I got one for you here. Listen to this. 
Nick, can you name the only team to win multiple NBA titles, you know, within the within their roster construction that only okay. had one top 75 NBA player? Uh, top 75 all time? Mm-hmm. That was named by the NBA. Miami? Okay, that's all I got. The Detroit Pistons. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that would have been a good guess. That that would have been a good second guess. Honestly, it would have been a good first guess because it would have been right. It would have been right. And yeah. Chuck okay. Daly's looking at you saying, Sean Schuster, you're trying to say, you're trying to diminish my accomplishments right here. I did it with only one top seventy five player. Well, okay. Did he really only have one top seventy five player or, or uh, I believe know, Joe I Dumars mean, is a top seventy five player. In a given yes. in a given era, let's take that a little bit further. You know, we have, hey, this roster had top seventy five players as as arbitrarily selected by a bunch of people who created a list. Right, right. Uh, Okay, did they have, in the era when the Pistons won championships, how many of the best players did they have at a given time? Three out of 20? Right, for sure. So you've so got to go, go based on the era, time, for sure. Right. Right. You know, it's like, well, okay. You know, and, and, and what they did at the time, and to Daly's credit, and, and – Daily is an interesting argument here. I think you can certainly, you know, they, the Pistons util, utilized the loopholes available to them uh, better than everybody else and created a very good franchise as a result. And other teams have done it in different ways. But they also State. messed up the NBA product for a while, though. Can we agree oh, I think I, I, I don't disagree. Well, I, I think there's more than just the Pistons, but the Pistons right. are very high up that list. I think Pat Riley and Mike Fratello had a hell of a lot to do <laughs> for with sure. For bleeping sure. up the end bleeping up the look of the nba as well in fact ah man i'm going to try to remember I, I think somebody did a documentary recently on maybe game seven of the knicks and the pistons mm-hmm. it was in this era when i think the pistons were good and they were they were talking about the bad boys i think we were in and it may have been um it was one of the playoffs game and it was a big deal playoff game like a game seven in the third quarter the score was something like 42 to 36 so right. the entirety of what the – we remember, and I get it, because I remember you don't go to the basket and not pretend to get your ass kicked. If right. somebody's going to come into the middle, you're going to get hit. You right. know, you're going to get laid out because you're not going to give up – you're not going to give up crap at the rim. Now, if you look the wrong way at someone at the crap at the rim, in the pendulum overcompensation world of the NBA you can, and you every other profession – yeah, you, you know, yeah. Now you're suspended for four games. Yeah, so, so I, I, I get that we've swung very much in the other way. But the product during that era, when the Pistons were winning titles, was pretty damn ugly. And the Pistons were the best at being uglier than everybody else. Speaking of two ugly people, that's John Schuster. I'm Mike Luke. You've been listening to Locked On Wildcats.